everybody. Welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is about preemption. We're going to nerd out on some law stuff, so stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. We've got a guest in the house. In the house. In the hizzy. Um, um, I'm also joined, as always, by Sam Tootin of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? And the Yoda of all things government, Brett Alfin. Hey, everybody. And uh, we also, uh, today, since we're talking about something legal, we decided to ask the lawyer. Mm. Ask the lawyer. So we have... Adam Schwindeman of Tyson Brock, uh, here local to Marietta. Um, Adam has a bachelor's in political science from the Ohio University. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's like cold. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. And then you got your cold. JD from Dayton, Dayton, right? University of Dayton. The Flyers. Very good, very good. Dayton. Um, so we want to dive right in. We're going to try to have a little bit of uh, you know, background to what preemption is. And then, you know, hopefully Sam and Brett can kind of ask, you know, application type questions around that. It's, I know it's a very convoluted subject. Uh, we actually got into it last week on a, a podcast run and we're like, yeah, no, we got to bring in a, a lawyer. <laughs> Swing and a miss. <laughs> Swing. So um, if you could kind of paint the backstory of what preemption is, you know, you know, we kind of talked off mic about uh states originally then mm-hmm. federal and then how that dispersed and kind of what the general overarching uh theme is for this topic yeah well uh first of all thanks for for having me here thanks for um, being here. welcome you know <clears throat> i think it's important to like you said maybe back up and do a quick civics lesson um and i think preemption can be put into two two boxes or two buckets one is preemption or conflict between laws on the federal level and state level. So you have laws enacted by Congress or regulations enacted pursuant to statutes enacted by Congress, and then state laws that would conflict with that because right. it, hap- it happens. The Supreme Court of the United States more and more over the past 20 years has really been um, ruling on more and more preemption cases mm-hmm. as our regulatory Interesting. Um, system continues to grow and has grown over the past 40, 50 years. Um, and then the state versus local conflict. And there can also be a local, local federal conflict. That's not as, but I don't think that's as, as common. Um, so back up, uh, the reason that we have these conflicts is because our country, I guess, is a uh, our, our system of government is a balancing act between, you know, the federal government, state government, local government. Right? We have we have three tiers of government that we use and utilize as citizens to enact laws, regulate our daily lives, and so. Re- rewinding all the way back, um, the states, you know, after the, you know, after the American Revolution, the states, the 13 colonies, the original colonies, 
they were the original sovereigns. You know, we go back even further to kings and queens and and all that. The sovereign was the king, yes. right? The sovereign had, and in, 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 in law, we also talk about sovereign immunity. The king can't be sued. You know, the king can't. Right. You can't go mm-hmm. after the king. So that that's that's translated into law as well. Is you can't sue the government for certain things, only enumerated things that the government allows you to sue them for. So that's what we, this word sovereign comes from. So the states were the sovereign. You know, they they were thirteen. You could think of it, or you know, original countries. Right. And they they were small. They were their own, um, their own sovereign nations essentially. Well, then they, you know they they start. They tried the Articles of Confederation. They tried to band together to create this unified system of government to help with commerce between the states, things like that. And then obviously we came. We eventually. <clears throat> ratified our constitution and in that constitution the states uh they delegated their powers their sovereign power to this federal government and that's what our constitution is it it specifically enumerates the certain limited powers that they gave up to the federal government and within that article 6 talks about the supremacy it's the, it's the supremacy clause okay so it says that I'm not going to say it verbatim, but that the laws and the Constitution and the laws of the United States are the supreme law of the land. Okay, hmm. so the states gave up something; they gave up their their plenary power, their sovereign power to this federal government that they they created, and um, that's where we have conflicts uh, between states and and federal laws. So oftentimes, whenever you have a a state and a federal law conflicting, or maybe they don't even conflict, maybe they're just in the same field or the same area, then you have disputes between states, the state and federal government. And the Supreme Court has, and there's some scholarship disagreement as to whether this is the appropriate um, reference point or the, the appropriate authority for using preemption, but the supremacy clause. You know, the, the Supreme Court and the courts have said, well, if there's a federal law on, on point and if, if Congress has expressly said that, you know, this is going to be uh, – this is going to preempt any state law or any law uh, throughout the country, hmm. then, then this – the federal law will, will govern. So, you know, you could – from there you have – from preemption, this federal versus state versus local law preemption, you have, like we talked about, express, where Congress expressly says that this will be the, you know, the law of the land here, and no other, you know, the states are not delegated or the states cannot enact laws in this, in this certain realm. Then you also have um, field preemption, where um, maybe Congress does, has not said expressly that they, you know, that, that this will be the um, the law of the land, as opposed to or you know, conflicting state laws. But um, for instance, immigration, foreign policy, um, areas where the federal government has encompassed or regulated um, the extent or the you know they they they're the 400-pound, 500-pound gorilla in the room, right? They have extensively regulated this area. Yep. 
and the courts will say, in some instances, that uh, that federal law preempts state law if they conflict, or even if they don't conflict, they might say states you can't, you cannot, um, you cannot enact an, an immigration law. For instance, there's a case from Pennsylvania. I don't know what year it was, but some locality in Pennsylvania was enacting, or maybe it was the state of Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but they enacted a a law that would require um, illegal aliens or, or um, not illegal aliens, I guess immigrants, right, who were not naturalized citizens. So maybe they were here, uh, they were here legally, but they wanted them to, they wanted to enact a certain requirement that they um, have, a, have an ID or that they report um, their employment. Well, <clears throat> and I'm, this is just from memory, so <laughs> I didn't review the <laughs> don't case add before. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> But but the the court said you know while while the immigrant while while the individual could comply with both so they weren't necessarily in conflict it's not an area that state law that states should get involved in this is a yeah. purely federal area of the law and we need to have a uniform um, legal system for you know individuals who are who are immigrating to our country so that is a high level. Um, I guess synopsis of where this 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 conflict comes from between state and and uh, federal. Now we get into the state and local preemption issues again. State the state still retains that sovereign power, right? Well, within certain states, um, let's let's use Ohio for instance. Within the Ohio Constitution, the Ohio Constitution grants authority to municipalities, chartered cities, and municipalities. And I'm not even sure that you have to charter your city or municipality. I'd have to look into that. But um, they grant home rule authority. So there's home rule authority in Ohio for cities, municipalities, townships. Um, <clears throat> because um, it stems from this, this constitution, you know, the Ohio Constitution. It gives them police power, public sanitation, yep. public health. Um, and obviously, to run your own political, your own, your local government, your internal affairs yes. within your local government as well. The only, the only area to which you know we run into a problem is, is if the local government enacts a law that is in conflict with the general laws of the state of Ohio. That's what that's what it says in the Constitution. And then from there, the Ohio Supreme Court has, through years of case law, has developed that into a kind of a, a four-way test um, about uh, when, when a law might conflict, you know, uh, when a local law might conflict. So, okay. So I want I to get into some, some application of this. When I was doing some research, uh, one of the examples uh, that were given was, you know, specific to federal versus state. Uh, like just the the labeling that you would see on medication, right? Go buy a bottle of ibuprofen. That's standardized. If you buy it in California, you buy it in Ohio, et cetera. Uh, the the warning labels on on something like cigarettes or something like that standardized across all states. That's something the federal government says we we're we're taking lead on this. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask a, another question though before we go from from state to local. When it talks about the powers that were the state gave to the federal, what ones, or if you can, do 
did the states retain? Because I think that's kind of <clears throat> going to be the, to me, that would be the question. That would make what what makes the states still individualistic. You right. know what I mean? Right. And then as they pass those down, you know, over top of local governments, whether it's in Ohio, Kansas, or wherever. Right. Well, you know, I, sh- I should have said at the very beginning of this that I am not a constitutional law professor, <laughs> <laughs> nor do I practice constitutional law, but but you run into these things, uh, surprisingly, you know, from time to time in cases you might have. And and it's just, it's something that's in, that has interested me, obviously. I'm an attorney. I learned about this stuff in law school, but... Um, so you, you have there, – there are those, those specific enumerated powers. So off the top of my head, right, we have the power to enter into treaties with foreign governments. You know, We have um, the power to make certain foreign policy decisions like that, you know, enter into treaties. We have commerce, so they can regulate commerce. That was really the most important thing, I think. One of the most important things um, is that – that they ran, that they wanted to make sure the federal government could do because they were having trouble um, with the Articles of Confederation, yeah. with commerce between the yeah. states, yeah. and having a uniform system. Yeah. And so the Commerce Clause has actually been the clause that the the Supreme Court and the legislature has used to it, to expand its breadth of power in this country. Um, then you. you through that, you know, the, the, the federal government does not really have police power. Um, <clears throat> and I may be speaking out of turn here, but outside of the Commerce Clause, outside of certain, you know, outside of national security. So typically when you ask, when you think about what states retain, our, our, our main law enforcement comes from state law, right? So we have here in Ohio, we have the sheriff's departments, we have our local police departments, we have our state our state police force, um, you know, you have the FBI, but their role, the reason they can enact criminal statutes, based upon my understanding, it's been a while since I've been in law school, but <laughs> stems from the Commerce Clause because certain criminal criminal statutes affect interstate commerce. Yeah. So okay. it's kind of a, it's, it, they, they've, they've twisted in some, in some people's opinions— your more your more limited government federal more federalist they they've they've twisted they've not twisted it but they've they've taken it and expanded it saying if if something affects interstate commerce then it's then the federal government can enact it but kind of getting back there you know so you have your police power everything that the the federal government has not been enumerated the states retain and that's, that's the 10th amendment that's the 10th amendment right mm-hmm. everything not you know, granted, all these powers not granted to the federal government is is retained, expressly retained by the states, yeah. and um, that's that's where a lot of legal scholarship and and political disagreement, you know, uh, amongst people of the same party, quite frankly, um, exists. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know it's it's kind of one of those things. You know, they they got Al Capone on tax evasion. Yeah, right. Like you just find a a way for, for it to fall within your realm of jurisdiction. Well, and going along with what Adam's saying is there's a the concept of like the ceiling and the floor, right? So you can't provide less protection for citizens than required by the law through whatever policy or statute you're enacting. You also can't 
do more. You know, you can't permit more than what the law enacts or permits. So the example we gave in our in our uh, spring training version of this podcast <laughs> last week was: imagine that you had a look a locality that said, um, "Okay, jaywalking is now punishable by fifty years in prison." Right? You can't you can't do that because that's greater than the extent permitted by law by state law for that crime. So that would, to me, that's like an, I mean, that's a hyperbolic example, but mm-hmm. that's an example of like, you can't do more than what the law says locally, even if you really hate jaywalking or whatever the thing is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example. Well, like you said, that's, that's an extreme example. But, right. Um, again, you know, here in Ohio, what they look at, you know, if, if, if a local law or ordinance is um, a police power, what they call it, you know, police either through public public sanitation or public health, police power. Um, only then does the law go on to further scrutiny as to whether or not it conflicts with sure. the general law. So, like, yeah. you know, if if so that being public health, I'm I'm assuming, or, or, or so like if if it, that would conflict with the general laws of the state of Ohio, because mm-hmm. if if there is a general law that says that this will be the the, you know the criminal statute. This is what this will be punished. Then what you're really doing is it's, it's conflicting with how people go about their lives in the state of Ohio. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, without getting down into, into the town, legal elements, be... I mean, really, that's what this is all about. Yeah. Is yeah. we don't want people coming to Marietta, and in every other part of the state, there's a uniform uh, criminal statute on this. But whenever you come to Marietta, you know it's so out of so oh, I have whack. a. Yeah. This is perfect. I think that's been a great intro, and now the wheels are starting to turn in my head as I understand <laughs> this more. <laughs> oh boy! Because um, I do want to get Total. into some application. The reason we brought this topic up is because this podcast is about, quite frankly, local governance, policy creation. What can you do to better your town, grow your town, etc.? Um, encourage the things you want to see happen. Discourage the things you don't want to see happen. Right. So, uh, I, as an example. You know, I'll I'll lead off, and then you you two uh, jump in with some questions. But driving while texting or with a cell phone, I feel like that is something we have here locally. But that's not everywhere. Like if you go into say Beverly or Belpre or another locality, they don't have those laws. So how does a person? How does that not conflict? Because in my mind, if I'm driving through Belpre. You know, which is a town for listeners not local to here. It's a town twenty, thirty minutes away from here, um, in Ohio. Doesn't have that law, to my knowledge. Um, but if you go through there, you're fine. But then you come here, unbeknownst to you, you could be violating a law if you're driving and texting or talking on the phone. I think talking mm-hmm. on the phone actually is is illegal here in Marietta right. while you're driving. I think you're so, right. I mean, how does how does that play in? So, the state constitution, you know, the state of Ohio gives gives these home gives this home rule authority to local governments to to enact criminal laws, to enact laws to to protect their citizens to to govern. Now, the the only time that it it might be an issue is if it would conflict with a law the General Assembly's drafted. So, let's say that the General Assembly had drafted. A law that says texting while driving is not a crime throughout the, throughout the state of Ohio. Hmm. That might that right. might raise a preemption issue, and 
you know, as an you know, when we when we're thinking about this, I think it's important to remember that there's not a really a bright line, yeah, way to look and to see whether something's preempted. This is a very judicially intensive analysis. So, like even the Supreme Court said, even even in cases where Congress has expressly stated that there's that they're you know they're going to be the the supreme law here, and there's not going to be anything else. They'll look at that with scrutiny as well, because that 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 state sovereign power is it, it it pulls so strongly, because we have a tendency, and I think I think rightly so in this country that local government rule is the best. Sure, it's mm-hmm. the most effective. Now, you know we we have our federal government and our our state level government. They all play roles, but I think the you know at least the uh, yeah. The past, the folks in in Marietta know how to best govern yes. themselves than yes. somebody in yes. Columbus, and right. the people right. in Columbus know how to govern themselves better than somebody in DC. I but, think you yeah. had mentioned that in our spring training. We episode. did. We did talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, we, it gets back to if, but if if Columbus, for instance, decides that they they want a a, gen, a law to to generally regulate the lives of citizens throughout the state, and it's 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 generally applicable. And it's within the police power, and it doesn't relate just to self-government, um, but it relates to the police power. Then a local municipality, they, they, you can't enact a, a, a law under your police power to conflict with that, that would conflict with that. So would zoning yes. – is this something zoning would fall into? Okay. Zoning is a police Same power. Same as on that. Like, yeah. Okay. So yeah. do you got a, a question? I mean I- – <clears throat> I think it's good to know in this whole conversation, as Adam has pointed out, as you know, we when it comes to something like zoning, it is it is at least in like Marietta, we're strictly they have their own at least in Ohio Revised Code and in the Marietta, it is it is defined by the state. The state defines them that they can make their zone, they can make their districts, they can have the regulations set forth. Um but it's funny how pre exemption also can work as a double-edged sword, you know, we're talking kind of how the state is controlling the local level uh, of, of zoning. So my example kind of is the reverse of that, just to let, let you aware that it can be done to also give more local control, at least in terms of zoning. So like Oregon's one of the first states to pass law, let me right here, uh, that would require cities to build uh, development within single family uh, uh, zone property or duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, and quote unquote cottage clusters. So right there, something like, you know, Marietta, who has an R1 single family zone, the state would be coming in and saying, you got to allow duplexes. You got to allow multi-density development done right here. So right there, they... You know, see, I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know that, that brings up an interesting. So that the kind of the seminal case, whenever we're looking at at least that the Supreme Court currently uses, is this city of Canton versus the state of Ohio. Yeah, and there there was an instance where the General Assembly enacted a law, enacted a, a statute that required municipalities to permit mo- manufactured mobile homes in residential areas. Now. I don't want to get too far into the weeds on the case because I just know generally what the holding was, but um, they did have an they, the the law had an exception for 
private deed restrictions or covenants within mm. deeds. So for homeowners associations or um, instances where the deed itself had a restriction mm. with no mobile homes. Well, the I don't know how procedurally it came about, but the city of Canton, the state of Ohio, got into it mm. and went to the, you know, to the Ohio Supreme Court. And the Ohio Supreme Court ended up striking that law down because it it held, based on my understanding, that um, having that private deed restriction in there would result in more younger, developed, newly developed areas that might have homeowners associations, um, would not have these manufactured mobile homes, whereas older neighborhoods where the deed did not have the deed restriction, it would be permitted. Yeah. So, so that's one of, of like the reasons cannibalizing your historical that that and I think assumption. just the gen, just the general applicability of it. Um, it needs to be in order for the it to be a general law of the state of Ohio. It needs to be equally applicable throughout uh, every gotcha. region and to to most all individuals or properties. Okay, so that might have been one of the reasons why they they struck it down. But that brings up an interesting an interesting question yeah. that would have to be resolved by the courts. I don't think anyone knows the answer as to whether or not that would be enforceable. Yeah. And, and you know, local governments would need to, they, they definitely have an interest in, in challenging that if that came down, I would yeah. think, but. Because technically it loosens the local control of land use mm-hmm. strictly on that point. But it's also, at least in these probably Western states, because again, it's Oregon that passes this is a, uses a tool to, uh, really kind of fight the cr- the housing crisis. They use that because of either, either for that or the automobile dependency of us. So, you know, they, they, that's kind of their, re- their reference when they apply these kind of pre-exemption law uh, on topics like that. But, um, yeah, sorry. I had to go, I had to go different I way like on it. you. I had to go different <laughs> way on you. I like yeah. it. Um, we had talked also, Brett, you had brought up in our spring training episode, uh, about <laughs> the issue of say something as simple as like plastic bags, right? Uh, I know Sam used to live in Folly Beach, South Carolina. Yeah, um, that community banned plastic bags. They banned plastic bags. They also they also banned chains, like chain establishments. But that's, that's oh, I thought you were saying like, oh well, like yeah. chain link like basketball nets. No, I was no, like, Those chains. Are... Yeah. They should be banned anyway. Yeah. You can't chain your real nets though. only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, plastic. All all plastics. I like, got you. Yeah. Okay, so straws too. Um. For something like that, they banned plastic because it was an oceanfront community, mm-hmm. right? Um, the state of Ohio, right, has they preemptively all- they've they've went ahead and said you cannot ban plastic bags. Mm-hmm. And we had talked on that other episode about you know what that what that means. Uh, you know, could is there a cause or a case for a, a community, say like Marietta? Okay, or any any community that's waterfront like we are, like basically surrounded by water. Sure. Is there a case to be had to say, you know what, we're not the same as some Plains City, you know, in central Ohio where there's no water, there's no nothing like this is our recreation. This is our this is what makes us us, you know, I I don't know. It's it's difficult. And I think the logic we were talking about in the, the first time was kind of to what Adam is saying is that we, t- we tend to hold close to us the right that we know what's best. Mm-hmm. And so if we live in a community where 
having excess plastic bags that make their way into waterways or natural areas is really impactful to our lifestyle or our industry or whatever, we should be able to impact that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, mitigate that in some way. And when somebody like the state says you can't, that, in, that limits our ability to say what's best for us. And I think we had kind of already talked about that. So it, it's, it's challenging because it's going to disparately impact places within the state. It's not uniform in, in any way. So that's a head scratcher to me. I mean, I don't know, and, and maybe you know why. I don't know why you would preemptively say you can't pl- ban pl- something like plastic bags. I mean, I don't know. It seems so inconsequential to the state at large. I mean, do we have a booming plastic bag industry that I'm just <laughs> unaware of? Or is, 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 is somebody in the Ohio mm-hmm. legislature a plastic bag magnate that I just... <laughs> I just yeah. don't know about. I don't know. That's just it's a head scratcher for me. So I feel like that's when you have lobbyists and other other things involved sure. in, in politics that sure. are going to influence that. Oh. Well, and it was so, the same. We also went the same place about scooters. Remember, mm, we were talking right. about the electric scooters, and so because I think I made the point that I believe that Marietta has already banned the use of electric scooters on the bike path. Yeah. Even though, to my eye, I ride bikes out there all the time, and I walk out there all the time, and I'm not witnessing scooters out there. So to me, it's not an issue yet, but we've mm-hmm. gone ahead and exercised our power to remove that threat of that issue already, um, which I thought was another, the literal definition of preemption. We have preempted the issue, <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally, um, before it even started. And there's a whole, and you know, there's a whole, there's a whole body of work around that as well. So that was another topic that kind of like the bags, the scooters was one that maybe, you know, scooters are a big deal in yeah. Cincinnati. They are not a big deal in McConnellsville. Yeah. So I would, you know, again, I would hate to see a state law that limited s- scooters across right. the whole yeah. state because what if they would be really awesome in New Lexington? Yeah. Who knows? I, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's where we let what's going on throughout the United States or in other cities, like just when we talk about local and like trying to get people to understand what's going on in your own community. When you're, you're, view, you're viewing a problem that's not yours. And you're you're doing these pre you're doing what Brett just said on the local level, and it's not even an issue yet. We're influenced by things that are going outside of here, and not really taking the time and effort sure. to understand what 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 really is or isn't the problem here. Well, it's a good PSA yeah. for local officials or potential local officials to have your head up at some level and see what's happening in other places. You know, I mean, it is obviously your your number one priority is yeah. to understand what's happening here and what's impacting here and what's potentially going to happen here, but seeing what other communities are going through and understanding how that could come here or how that might impact us, I think is a really important quality to have. And I think that's just a PSA from the fellows here at my town hustle, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, to just be aware of those things. So uh, do you have any application questions for Adam? You know, I think, I think just here and I, again, my mind is always like scattered around here locally, but you know, I would look at something like that. What is the, most of our listeners are either people that are in city government or local government, whether it's trustee or uh, commissioner or whatever the case may be, right? Or they want to be, they are aspiring to be. What, if in the event they had something like this, and we can take the example of plastic bags, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not advocating that. We're not advocating for any, anything on this show, but what we're trying to do is if there is something right, that you feel is unjust or whatever in your neck of the woods, you know, 
you got, we got the lawyer here. Let's like, what is the, what's the process look like for, you know, there to be a city of Canton versus state of high, like, how does that even like take place? What are the steps that you got to go through in order to get that done? Well, you know, I guess each, each case is, each case will be different. And depending upon where, you know, where your listeners are, where they live, you know, obviously this, right. the, the law in every state is going to be different. Um, they might have different procedural requirements to institute a lawsuit, but you know, the, the, if there is a conflict between a city ordinance and a state, you know, a state law, a lot of times it arises whenever there's a, um, there's something that, uh, brings it to, brings it to a head, for instance. Well, something I can think of recently or quasi recently is, the 2013, but 14, 2015 timeframe, you had a lot of drilling going on in the state of Ohio. And there were municipalities and local governments that were attempting to restrict fracking. Um, local or yep. We did well, bring that up on our spring training yeah. episode. We forgot about that. Oil <laughs> yeah. and gas drilling. And yes. so that's, in, in that context, you had certain oil and gas producers that were wanting to drill. State of Ohio had said yes, you can drill, and then local um, government saying, you know, you're violating our zoning ordinance. Yep. Um, you have to come, you have to um, in front of the planning commission, or you have to get a variance, or, or whatever that was. Well, I don't, I'm not sure procedurally how that how that happened. Where you know they they there was an injunction filed by the city maybe against against the oil and gas producer. And then, you know, that, that was had out in common pleas court. And then there was a decision and then there was an appeal and then an appeal to the Ohio Supreme court as well. Well, but the, in that, in that instance, and it was very limited, but there was that, uh, it's the Beck Morrison versus state X rail Morrison versus Beck energy. And I think it had to deal with Monroe falls, Ohio yep. and the Supreme court. And I think it was a very limited decision, but they, they did say that this zoning ordinance, or at least the attempt to use this particular ordinance was preempted by the comprehensive state regulation um, on oil and gas drilling. So they, you know, they they permitted it to go forward. But that that's kind of that that's a lot of times what will happen um, is that you have something factually happening, whether it be um, may, maybe the city enacts a law and somebody does not like it. So then they challenge that law. Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's also, for instance, um, there were, there are suits between the state of Ohio and the cities. They can get, they can sue one another. Uh, the city of Dayton, the city of Springfield sued the state of Ohio concerning a, uh, a requirement that for traffic cameras, that there had to be a police officer sitting below it whenever it was an operation. Mm. City of Springfield and City of Dayton. I think I remember they, this. This was they, like they uh, sued about that. That's crazy. I think I yeah. do remember that. And so the, but the the second district court of appeals in Ohio over in Montgomery County, and well, I guess Springfield. I don't know what county Springfield's in, but I think they're within the second district. They had held that um, that it, the state law preempted the local law. Well, the Supreme Court and the City of Dayton case said that uh, the statute, the state statute, was 
essentially regulating the city's use of its police resources, not necessarily, and, and it was infringing upon its uh-huh. its its self government. This is my understanding of the case. So unless you I want to fund, I, I haven't studied that police it, so. officer <laughs> sitting underneath that camera, then right, and it, it's more nuanced than that. And, and and again, all of this is highly dependent upon the facts. Highly dependent upon yeah. the, what the statute and the ordinance says. Yeah, I was going to go back to the, and, the fracking. Yeah, thing. think about I, that one. That, that's a poignant one. I mean, imagine take the take the perspective of the local official. Imagine how that feels. We don't yeah. want, and I'm not I'm not advocating for fracking or against it. I'm taking purely the position of that local official that says we don't want it here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's your true feeling. I mean, that's you you feel that inside, and then you are ostensibly powerless to stop it imagine how that feels yeah that would be terrible i mean yeah that would be a hard pill to swallow and and again you know these these cases are they're close they're close cases sure. that's yeah. why they wouldn't you know that case would not have gone to the it, it wouldn't have made its way to the highest supreme court if there wasn't some pretty good arguments on both sides um and and we've seen you know we've seen locally Right, some zoning issues. Mm-hmm. Have where we? It's <laughs> like, issues? Yeah, don't even oh. get me started. It's like, hmm. well, it doesn't specifically say that mm-hmm. in there that that use is permitted. It doesn't exclude it in any way, but it doesn't specifically say it's allowed. And I don't know the the uh, the pretense of of that case specifically in Monroe Falls, but I highly doubt. They were drilling in an R1, right, with single-family homes. It's most likely somewhere out in the periphery of manufacturing or, or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm just assuming here. But if a municipality, if a group of people don't want something to happen, right, if they're getting pressure from adjacent landowners or whatever, I mean, that's how things, that's how local government works. Who screams the loudest? Yeah. So, you know... The context of the situation is always um, really, really interesting because it could be the same law, but the context could be completely, completely different um, going this, around it. I think this also yeah. brings up the, the interesting reality we have observed that these village solicitors are incredibly important. And they occupy a very influential role in the policy and the, in the happenings of these communities, not just ours, but any very mm-hmm. small community. I mean, yeah. I, as the listeners know, I mean, I worked for 20 years at the regional council and I can think of a couple of times that I went to a village council meeting and maybe I came in a few moments late and I didn't see all the introductions. I'm thinking of a particular case in, in, in particular, particular, I said that a lot of times, but somebody was speaking like a lot in very, in an, in very informed manner. And I, my, my bias was, I just assumed that was the mayor. <laughs> it was not. It was the village solicitor who, who mm. was presenting most of the information, giving most of the facts, leading most of the conversation, guiding the conversation of that particular moment. And I just thought that was a real, like, I remember that because the mayor was kind of sitting by almost as a visitor, as a spectator. Um, so, but in these, but all these issues that we're talking about make you realize how important that solicitor position is in every small community. Really important. Yep. Really important. Things happen or they won't happen a a lot of times. Sure. Based on those folks and the people they can round up. 
Um, well, do we have any more questions uh, regarding preemption? I have a question. Or heck, we got a lawyer here. Ask him whatever you want to ask him. <laughs> I, I <laughs> and we're recording it. <laughs> <laughs> On like marijuana legalization, like in the state of Ohio, not not so much recreational or medical, but in terms, do you, is there a lot of issues here in the state where it comes down to where you can actually zone uh, dispensaries and, and stores or whatever to get that? I guess that's almost like a, to me, it's such a diverse issue to where, you know, it's, it's not a, f you got, you got states now either passing uh, for recreational or decriminalizing it or, you know, for medical, both. Um, and then it comes down to the local levels, right? So your states are telling you, yes, you can or cannot have this, lowering it, the the amounts of it for it to be a criminal offense. And at the same time, now cities are looking like, oh, where do we want to put these? So I guess, is that an issue that you see um, here in the state or could be an issue or something that that, that complex? Um, I mean, it, it might. Um, again, it, you know, it, everything that, that we do, you know, that I do as an attorney really is driven by the, the facts, you know, of that particular situation. Yeah. And, you know, while I'm, I'm able to talk on preemption generally and these are the general principles and things, I think it would depend upon what the local government was trying to do. Yeah. It would depend upon what the state law said. So Makes sense. the, for instance, the Supreme Court, when they're trying to determine whether the Ohio Supreme Court, when they're based upon the city of Canton case, which is, to my knowledge, still uh, good law, when they're trying to figure out whether something is a general law, the state of Ohio, it has to be – there are four elements that they look at. The first is whether it's a statewide and comprehensive legislative enactment, right? So it's got to be – has to be applicable statewide. Second, it's got to apply to all parts of the state alike and operate uniformly. The third is it has to be a police, sanitary, or similar regulation instead of purporting to regulate how city governments or local governments govern themselves okay. or how they run their city, how they staff their, their folks. Yeah. Um, and then last is it has to prescribe a rule of conduct upon citizens generally. So just hypothetically, um, I think an issue could arise where let's say Ohio did legalize or, or ban, let's say that they decided to not allow marijuana. And then a city said, no, we're going to allow it. Well, that, that might cause an issue. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, you, that would have to be a case that would go to, to a judge and, and have legal arguments as to whether or not this particular statute was a general law of the state of Ohio and whether or not this local government was using its police power mm -hmm. and that police power conflicted with the general law of the state of Ohio. Okay. But – I mean, I, I could see it definitely being an issue on the horizon. Yeah. So do we have a law in the books that uh, preempts marijuana dispensary? I, I do not. I, I'm not familiar with. with we, so we got I, one for plastic bags, it, but not for I, marijuana. Okay, I, think, I, think, check. I think there's when they when they passed it for medical, there was guidelines set with the boundaries of where it could be. And we saw that here locally of how how. Many feet and all this mm -hmm. kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was but something like away from a school or yeah. There, there was also yeah. a ruling, and you might know, Adam. There, there was also a ruling that you couldn't preempt the placement of these through zoning mm -hmm. because yeah. a lot of communities tried to exclude these retail 
um, operation, the, the medical marijuana operations through their, through zoning. And what happened was, and this is just my memory, I could be wrong, but I feel like once the, um, the medical marijuana statute was passed in Ohio, I feel like a lot of communities scrambled to update their zoning quickly to prohibit it in particular areas or in total. And I believe there was a, I believe there was a case that said you can't use zoning as a mechanism against this specific issue. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that is true. And that, and that yeah. would, uh, that would comport with, you know, if, if, because zoning, as you guys mentioned, that is a police power. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that meets that first, you know, number one is a local law. Is it the, your use of police power or is it your use of your right or your power to, to self-govern? Mm-hmm. Well, if it's a police power, then you have to figure out whether or not it conflicts. And so yeah. the court in that instance might have clearly determined that it conflicted with the general law of the state of Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know in West Virginia, um, you know, I practiced and I'm licensed in West Virginia, but whenever I was in West Virginia, um, and, and it might have changed, but their medical marijuana law expressly reserved the right for counties, county commissions, to choose whether or not they wanted dispensaries in their county. Hmm. And at, at one point that was in the law, I do know that, is that there was some reservation or some express statement in there that if a local government did not want this to go forward, that they could have have authority to, to make that decision. And it might, there might have been other guardrails or limitations on that power. Um, but I think that that was, that was within that, that statute. I guess I want to make sure, too, we leave off on, on the local level sense of kind of what are, what are your, really what are your options? You know, I mean, is it you, we, you take them to court, can, can cities just do it anyway? You know, I mean, I guess that probably becomes in who you who that you, seems to be the uh, who you mess the up trend. Just yeah. just do it. And, Ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, you can lobby. You know, your state, but it just seems like those three kind of things are your your only options at times. Um, I think as a citizen, but also to you know a local official or a, a city administration that you know wants to doesn't like the preemption and wants to 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 fight back on the plastic bags. I guess. It seems like a difficult challenge, um, but it's also important too that because I think in this topic and in the world that we live in and in this podcast that we live in, that pre exemption is important to understand because it does it affects us. You know, every uh, local law affects us not only in our daily lives but how we're governed at by the state and then obviously through the federal. How I think it's inter- it's interesting to see how we see what's going on in the outside world and we bring that here and it may not be applicable and you know may not be. I don't want to walk away feeling like bad for people who feel like it's it's hopeless, you know, to fight to fight a state law like that. But you know, it's it's I think it's important too to just know what's going on in your state, um, and then how that reflects on your on your local level. Yeah, you basically know, most, for those who are who are aspiring or in, yeah, get real familiar with the laws of your state mm-hmm. because ultimately you're held under their umbrella, right? And in a sense, they're responsible for you. You know, I think we, I mean, I, I would assume that the EPA case over in Devola, where you know extensively about, yeah. right, that, that should be a great example of the state mandating something that local citizens didn't want. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I wrong on that or? Yeah, I don't, 
I don't I don't know all the details exactly to how that all transpired, but it's on the pure principle that uh, state regulated something for them to do, really for the county to do, not which represents obviously the local citizens, and they don't want it, um, and they're fighting it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Adam, thank you for being here and sharing some of your knowledge. Maybe we'll make this a quarterly or biannual <laughs> thing here. Uh, we get a lot of questions, you know, from, from people mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes we're not the, we know the people to go talk to. Right. Um, and I think that's maybe what we'll, we'll do. We'll keep a running tally, a running list. We can bring you in on, and I'll give you more than a day's. <laughs> I don't even think it's 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I'd, like a test, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I've said this before, you know, as everyone, because, you're, because I'm an attorney, whenever pe- you know, people ask me questions all the time and, and I'm like, you know, not really. <laughs> I can give you a general feel for what this is, but I can't stress it enough, you know, for, for these, for, for instance, for folks who are listening that might be with local government, I mean, they have their counsel mm-hmm. and they, they need to use them and, and the facts of each situation, each law. Um, it's really unique and that, that, that's why we have so many, that's why our legal system is so, um, busy. That's why it's so robust is that, you know, not every case is the same and, um, it really takes a, an analysis or, you know, sitting down and figuring out this is what we want to do. Can we do it? Well, let's look at the state law and can we go ahead with it? Well, you know their legal counsel will have to tell them that or at least give them some advice and then they have to act upon it. But also, you know, is it, is it, is it a purely political mm-hmm. avenue where you, where you at, where you lobby? Hmm. And, and so I, I agree with that, with that approach. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, if you've got any questions, comments or concerns, you can hit us up my town hustle. Dot com or you can email us at support at mytownhustle.com. Um, if you have not followed or liked us, feel free to do that. Give do us it. a review on whatever uh, platform you're listening to. We check those out. I saw we just got a, another one from a person in Texas. We appreciate that. Yeah. So and we'll uh, we'll put a GoFundMe on the on the page to raise some funds to pay Adam here. Yeah, there you go. Star, so. <laughs> yeah, <on the> short <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening.